The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, um, good evening. I'm very happy to be here and talk with you, share with you um, how did I come to practice? That's what I want to share, talk with you. How did I come to practice and how I continue um, practicing and doing this as a, a way of life, of being, being in the practice, of being the practice um, as, as a way of life. A little bit about myself, background. I was born in Puerto Rico, and I came to the States in 1991. And out of college, graduated, got a job, and went to Ohio, and that's where I started practicing. Lived there for seven years, and then moved here, I was transferred um, here through my job, and that's how I, how I got here. Um, I've heard from uh, other practitioners and teachers that we find the practice, we come to practice as a way to find liberation from our suffering. And just reflecting back, I have to say that I started out of uh, curiosity and supporting other people. And I think that it unfolded then into seeing my suffering. Um, a dear friend of mine invited me to a day long uh, in Kentucky. And I think it was John Travis, the, the teacher at that time. Uh, it was 1995. And when I went to that day long, I felt at home. There was a relief or some relaxation or, or a, a moment of resting that stayed with me after that day long. And I decided to, to explore. I was curious about it and decided to explore more. Went to a bookstore, got a book, The Way of Zen, um, and starting reading the book, I realized that what... Um, the author was a Joko was describing where some practices or some things that I was doing in my life that I was being those things or that they were daily 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 chores or um, daily practices I will call them now it was being present while washing my teeth or um, 
it was uh, being uh, present in uh, saying hi to someone else. And I, I felt very happy about it because it took some kind of um, fantasy about what it was, what was Zen and what was Buddhism as, um, as I heard during that day long. So I read that book and I continue enjoying doing some of, some of the things with more awareness and, and understanding a little bit more what it was to be present and that's how it went for several years, doing daily, daily life mindfulness, da daily life practice. Uh, also exploring, reading some books. And within that, there was a fair amount of suffering. For me at that point, I, I was not recognizing it as that. It, I was... Immersed, it was. I, it was part of me. That suffering was, was me. I was completely immersed on it in, in a way that I just didn't even think at that time that there was a possibility of relating to it in a different way. It was part of the experiences I was having, coming to. Uh, to a very cold place. I moved during the winter. It was snowing. I was freezing. Um, came on my own, starting a new job, uh, going through cultural chalk and missing different things. So I thought, you know, this is what it is. This is, I'm here now. I'm, I'm starting a new chapter in my life and I have to tough it up and move forward, and that's it. So that, that's why I was relating at that time. And, and so with that came the daily mind mindfulness uh, practice. And um, out of that exploration, then I started uh, relating to other people. Initially, it was going to, to there, there was this old warehouse where this Sangha was meeting. And we will go there and we will sit, we will look at each other, maybe. We will be in silence, we will bow, and we will leave. That was it. Nothing else. And um, I moved here, that was two or three years after I, I was practicing. I started uh, practicing there. And when I came here, some of the friends from Cincinnati, they told me, you have to check this uh, check the, uh, Spirit Rock, the center and Jack Cornfield. And here there's an, a book from him. And, and so I started going to Spirit Rock. And to my surprise, I was not happy as I heard from my friends that I was going to be because it was like the center, the, the center of practice, you know. I was really, um, I felt very isolated. 
I felt even more confused. I didn't, really didn't understand what was going on for me at that time. So I just continued practicing alone. I, I was sitting alone at home, um, mostly regularly. Sometimes maybe a, a, some time will pass, but the daily life mindfulness, it was steady. In one way or another, it will show up. Um, so that period, that period of um, practicing or sitting alone, and th- there were some benefits to it. Um, I became very aware of my body, uh, developed more um, presence or, or being aware of, of really what I, when I was moving, how I was moving. Um, but, but it was not um, with, with an awareness also of an intention or how I was moving. I, it was almost like it was just aware that I was being in my body and aware that I was breathing. But there were no labels. There were no awareness it, 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 like that. Um, so, from there, then I started through work, I, through a training that we were um, getting, I saw a video called uh, The Color of Fear. And when I saw that video, um, is a video about racial relations in the U.S. It was like a wall crumbled. It, 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 was, it was like a wall just... Something hit that wall and, and broke like an opening of deep suffering in me, and I didn't understand what was going on, but I, it was like I could not hold the, the, the tears, I could not hold the, the restlessness and so forth. And I realized that then, as, as I was looking more into that, I was realizing that I was acquiring other identities by moving to, to a new place. I, yeah, now I was not a student anymore. Uh, I was also a professional. I, um, so all these different identities and, and very ingrained also to, to um, all the racial relationships and how I related to others and how others related to me came into play. And through that, I heard through uh, Spirit Rock of other retreats, uh, different uh, retreats for different uh, uh, support for specific groups. And one of them was a people of color retreat. And when I went to that retreat, it was, it was, it, it was, it was like a life jacket was given to me, because at least I was able to understand what was going on. You know, it was like 
it was spoken or uh, in a way that I was able to understand some of my suffering. Um, so I continue doing the practice and then relating to other members in the community of the Sangha. And that was the, ne the next highlight. The first one was exploration and curiosity. This one was um, community and building Sangha and knowing more what Sangha was. Uh, because there was a connection in seeing the suffering or, or um, sharing uh, experiences like that with others that that level of openness built like a, a connection with me and, the other, and other people to, to share in different ways. So community. And through community, I started building Sangha and going to different Sanghas. And interconnectedness then show up as, the, the, as, uh, as an experience. I remember in one of the retreats um, having lunch and just looking, it, it was just like, like an aha moment of looking this plate of food and seeing everyone eating together and how each one was, each of us were, were supporting each other. And this was in another retreat center um, called uh, Manzanita Village at that time. And um, it, it was just a wonderful thing for me because I realized that the, the isolation was not only the isolation of uh, practicing alone and, you know, tough it up to start this new chapter in my life, but it was also recognized that there is support and there's love and that practicing, practicing together with other folks does make a difference, like what we're doing here. And um, I started seeing the impact of my actions in others. Uh, for example, I, I, I remember that at retreats, uh, there they were several times I would just leave before the closure. I was like, okay, I'm done, I sat, bye, no goodbyes, no nothing. And at some point, people started asking me, or saying comments like, oh, are, you were okay, are you look? I was concerned about you, and it just started to, it just started to sink in that really people care, or that really even in silence, or even in one sitting of a morning, that people did notice my presence, and that I did notice their presence because I knew that they were there. And um, so caring, caring about others and um, knowing that the practice 
uh, one of the jewels of the practice is Sangha, that yes, it is true. So uh, I, at that time, I, I think I went through a period of testing. Well, many periods of testing. The teachings, the testing, the, the uh, practitioners the testing myself. Um, it doesn't have gone away, but, you know, it's, it's less often that happens now. So building community, uh, the consistency of, of coming back, no matter what, just showing up. Um, as, as, I was, as I was continue dedicating more time to the practice, then metta, loving-kindness, loving-kindness practice became a, a foundation for um, my practice. Um, it was almost like the, the, the practice, if, if I could, anything I could have done or if, if I was not able to do some type of practice or longer practices, Meta was the one that I was hearing do everything with Meta or, or be, be, be Meta. Or, and at some point, I, I remember at the beginning, this is just so mechanical. I don't feel any Meta. I don't, why, I, why I have to show Meta when I don't feel any Meta? And um, I didn't force it. It didn't, you know... Um, it, it would not happen by forcing it. Um, however, I was more receptive, more receptive to what I was listening from teachers and I was reading in the books. Um, and out of the blue, it started just without noticing, without planning. Out of the blue, I noticed that there was something different that I was relating different to my family, um, that I was relating different to, to myself. So Meta continued to be the primary teaching for me for many years. And it, and it, and it continues. It's, it's one thing that it is central in, in the practice. Um, looking back now, I realize that I see that as conditions, conditions that I was creating or um, a purification that, that I was going through sometimes in, in a bigger way than others, but uh, conditions that I was creating to, to relate in a different way to other aspects of the practice. So, um, metta, creating conditions that will support us within ourselves into continuing our practice, especially those moments that we just don't know how to sit. Um, Through metta came, came service, service and compassion. As I was um, 
Again, going deeper, I was looking for different ways to practice, and service came, came as an opportunity. I heard through a friend of mine that uh, I could be a, a, a hospice volunteer, and I decided, well, I, I'm just going to check this out, because there was something really special about... Um, being present or of beyond support for um, that transition with others. So I volunteered for a um, couple of years at Zen Hospice. And through that service, even though, you know, it was not planned that way, even, you know, unconditional service, there's always something that shows up as a gift or as a teaching. Whoever you are um, interacting with or um, a, some kind of experience that you have um, when relating to others in those circumstances. Um, I had many moments of joy and... Um, So through service came also um, valuing and seeing how important it was to be present not only for my life, but also for, for that, that, that transition when we think that, well, we're, this is going to end at this time. And compassion came in. The, another another Brahmavihara or um, boundless state, um, loving kindness is one, compassion is another. It deepened. It deepened. It, it was a beautiful way to deepen compassion for myself and others. Still, there was something about suffering at that time that was not, um, that, that was, it, it was so still ingrained in me. And um, I look, look back again and it, it, there, it, deep loyalty. It, 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 and I say it, you know, very sincerely and, and, and with respect. Um, very loyal to that suffering. And I, sometimes I, I question, you know, what is, how, how, how loyal um, can, can one be um, and at the same time um, seeing what is going on right there in that moment without having to, to, um, to relate in a way that is not that beneficial that will maybe become an obstacle instead of, of something that will support us in learning to live more wisely. So through hospice, I got here. Uh, someone mentioned the chaplaincy program that uh, Sati Center offers. And that's how I got to IMC. And after I finished that program, 
I, 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 I was, I, I think that all the conditions, something happened that conditions came together and I said, okay, I'm going to become more serious about looking what else is here, what, what is next within the practice. And I remember talking to Gil about um, things I was having aversion, feeling aversion towards. And I said, well, you know, concentration. I, I, I feel some aversion about, to, towards concentration because, you know, I can spend a lot of time um, developing concentration, but it goes like that. You know, I can lose it in a second. And so maybe I just, I, I just dedicate my practice to other things. And he said, well, it may be useful to, it will be great if you do a concentration retreat. <laughs> and uh, at that time, I, I, then I realized, okay, I, I am serious about going deeper into my practice because the aversion was not strong enough to say, no, I'm not going to do it. And so I went ahead and did the retreat, came back with... Um, relating my experience, and, and from there I was ready to go into the Four Noble Truths. Um, and I dedicated two years to go deeply into the Noble Truths, and they have stayed since then. They're like a compass to me in my pocket. If I get lost, Four Noble Truths. Um, so you see, I, I use the book of uh, Dancing with Life uh, from Philip Moffat, and in, with with that book and and going to retreats and um, dedicating my practice in to seeing how the noble truths uh, were present in my life. Then I started seeing, then I started recognizing the suffering as a little bit separate from me. Still there, but it was not, it was almost like I came out from a bathtub that was full of water. Now I was like looking at the water or coming out from a lake looking at that water a little bit from the outside, a little bit from the edges, you know? And um, then I started to see what was the suffering and, and what were the causes of suffering, what was my clinging to. Um, then I started to soften and uh, getting a little bit more of understanding and insight about letting go, letting go of the clinging Letting go of, of having, having all been, been very attached to a point that I just could not see what was going on until that moment. And letting go, not, not like dropping things on a side and push them, but letting go of what I was using to block my view of seeing what was that suffering. Now it was here and I could look at it and relate to it. And the aha at that moment was also 
choice, choice on how I was going to relate to myself from now on and, and to, to the suffering. Um, Out of going through that process, also generosity came into play. I, there was something about IMC from the very beginning that it was so... I, it, the teachings and, and how... Things were offered. They, there was such a such a beauty in it, and simplicity, and nothing complicated. You know, very easy. And and I felt, oh, I can be here. How I just can be here. I don't have to be anything here. It was such a relief at that point when I realized that. So, for me, that was, that was an expression of generosity. And I started looking at suffering through how, gen- how I was relating to generosity and how generosity was in my life. And I decided to practice generosity for a year. I, like, would go to... Um, do, dif- uh, do different kind of practices at different times or give anon- anon- no, uh, in an anonymous way um, a little uh, e- either money or either assistance and um, people not knowing who maybe completed this work or maybe left a fruit for someone at their desk or or um, giving money, um, and then giving different amounts of money. I, I, it, 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 was, it, it was a lot of fun, I have to say. And um, it was a very deep teaching for me. Um, so that's, we, that's mainly... All, all of the different things that have shown up for me, um, mainly the highlights that I have remembered as I was reflecting of what I wanted to share with you tonight. Um, as, as we practice, even when, when, when you know, things are not okay, there's, there's a consistency that develops and and at some point there is some confidence even when we don't know that um, we're not sure if the practice will bear fruits there is something happens that faith and confidence starts starts growing um, even though when, when I was not noticing that that was happening. Um, so that's all I have. Um,
any, I don't know if you want to share anything about how you came into practice or any questions or? Question. Mm-hmm. Um, you've done some more complicated service too. In the newsletter it was saying that you were managing retreats over at IIRC. That is recently. Yeah, in these past now, years. what's that like? Oh, is... Because you interact with everybody when you're doing that. Yes. Um, and that is, is a great practice. Um, it's almost daily life practice, too. It's, I, I don't see it differently from practicing. Uh, what it's like... Um, It feels um, joyful to be of service. Um, it's a practice to be to you know of um, generosity and uh, commitment to the practice. Um, the rippling effects, you know, even after managing a retreat, that stays, in some ways it stays, if I'm relating to other people after the, the retreat, I, I do see a difference in, in, in how I'm looking at the person in front of me, maybe in the upcoming you know, days after. Um, it's energizing. And it's a great opportunity because as you're managing, you're also sitting. There are periods of sitting and there are periods in which one is managing. So you go from sitting and walking or doing any kind of uh, sangha um, service um, at the retreat center to, um, to all these different activities that we also do in daily life. Um, so, yeah, it's like going with the flow. Complete. First of all, I really appreciate hearing is the story of the long process that you went through because I haven't been doing this for that long, but it's definitely you kind of have a lot of ups and downs. So <laughs> I'm curious if over that um, you know twenty year time period, it sounds like there were a lot of different stages. Are there any moments when you just had like really strong doubt, like what what am I doing? Is this <laughs> many moments? They 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 were they, there was a there was a phase that I, I dropped. I dropped the practice, and that was the practice. It was like not. Um, it was not working. I was. Um, I was sitting, and I. It, it was hard to be still. It was. It was hard to be stable. Um, I, I was I, I was sitting in a very mechanical way. Okay, eight o'clock. Let me sit. 
I'm on, okay, I'm sitting and breathing and okay, what time is it? Time to stand up. Let's go to the next thing. And talking to the teachers, some of my teachers, they said, just drop it, drop it for now and see. What I didn't realize, it was that then it was like within the retreat, you know, like you go from one activity to another is you start relating differently than in to whatever is happening to just that also letting go of practicing in a certain way at a certain time. Um, so for me, is it's been part of that. Does does some of the richest moments of practice, and seeing when when I I would go back to to sit or where my attitude would change. Um, and, and through time. Now I can see when those very hard moments come, now I'm able to maybe create better conditions or relate differently. Maybe say, no, not now. Thank you. I'm not going to be worried about this. Or if it stays, okay, you're here, have a cup of tea. You know, it varies day by day. Um, So the way of relating has changed in different ways. I have another question. You seem to have made the transition from coming into a place like this and sitting quietly by yourself in the presence of others to where you're actually sitting with other people. Mm -hmm. When did that transition take place for you? I don't know if I'm making myself clear. Um... Let me repeat your question to see if I if if I understood maybe what you you want to ask. Um, through the transitions that I have had, and maybe within the practice, it seems that I'm sitting. I'm with other people, and did you say in a calm or? Sitting with other people, not not alone, and when that transition happened, is that? Or when did you did you feel like you were sitting with other people? Okay, it's because sometimes we sit together, and I know for myself there were a number of years where I would sit in the room, and after a certain number of years, I was sitting with everybody else, and it's like. How did that happen? You know, it's, it's when I first 
came here, I became very aware that I was very nervous about being in a room packed full of people. And it was like, <gasps> so I paid a lot of attention to that, you know. And then after a while, I really was sitting with the group, and there really seemed to be something happening in the group. You know, it's easier to sit with the group. It's almost as if there's a buoyancy in the room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I heard, when I heard that the, the second way in which you, you phrased the question, what came to mind was when I let go of solidifying all the different identities and all the different stories that, um, that I have had in, you know, through my life. So I, I would say when, when I started looking deeply through the Four Noble Truths. Um, and I realized, well, even, it was even before the Four Noble Truths that I, that I was realizing, well, wait a minute, I am more than, I think I'm more than Bruni. And I think I'm more than a woman. And I think more... You know, I, like I, I started seeing, I am many. I, I am, I am being in many different ways. It's not only one identity, or you know, a daughter, or no. There's something more expansive than that. That that all these different identities that connect me to people. So. The quality of 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 the connection it it changed more, more when I started looking and recognizing being conscious of my suffering um, and being conscious of my attitude, how I was relating to it. It's incredible. I, it's, I, you know, I, I would not have thought that I would say, but in some ways, yeah, suffering rocks when, you know, is you, you look at it in, in, in certain aspects of the practice and be like, oh my gosh, okay, this is a teacher. You know, other times, of course, I would not think that every single day, but... I'm glad that there are some days that I'm like, oh, okay, it's a teaching.
все потом. Thank you very much for your attention and may all beings benefit for, from all the fruits that bear from all the practice of tonight. May all beings be free, may all beings be happy. Thank you.